Hello, and welcome to SaaS Marketing Insights, the show where we ask SaaS founders, CEOs, marketers, and investors about the lessons they've learned in their quest to grow their companies. My name is Paul Stevenson, and I'm founder and CEO of SaaS marketing agency, 47 Insights. On today's show, I have an interview with conversion copywriter, Patty House. Hope you enjoy it. Patty House, conversion copywriter extraordinaire. Uh, welcome to SaaS Marketing Insights. Thank you so much for having me, Paul. I'm really excited to be here. Cool. So um, start off by telling me where you're based, because you say we were just talking now and you said you work mostly from home, uh, as a lot of uh, fine folks do these days. So where is home for you? So I'm in Saskatchewan, Canada, um, right in the middle of the bald prairies where it's you know, we have a joke here that says, if your dog runs away, you can see him for three days. That's kind of you know. <laughs> cool. Um, so tell me how you first got into uh, copywriting and, and what we now know as a, a whole subcategory of conversion copywriting. So, you know, where does this journey start from you? What, what's your background? Well, I've always been interested in writing. I have an English degree, actually. And um, when I worked corporate, which I did for a long time, I worked um, for an engineering in the engineering field, not an engineer. I'm a writer. <laughs> um, so I worked in engineering. Um, and a lot of what I did was writing co like copy, not conversion copy, but I was writing like web copy and a lot of emails. And I really enjoyed it. And when I thought about starting my own business, it seemed like a natural progression to just kind of go into SaaS because I worked with a lot of, you know, software engineers and, um, and, you know, try to try to do something that's more science based, which is what conversion copywriting is. It's not like creative copywriting where you sit down and you, you know, you craft out a story or something. This is conversion copywriting is really like a mixture of science, psychology, and creative writing that uses, um, you know, data and, uh, you know, analytics to get results for clients. So it seemed like a natural progression to kind of go from working in engineering to, to working with SaaS companies. So... Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, if, you, if you're used to working in a, a technical environment and, you know, copywriting for a technical environment, it would be uh, a very natural progression. So Absolutely, yeah. Tell me about the, the range of things that um, you might write for, you know, a typical SaaS or, or, or tech business. Because obviously, you know, words are words, but you can apply them in lots of different ways. But I guess... Um, after you've been going a while, it becomes apparent that uh, what pe people really want is X, Y, and Z, say, for example. Right. So um, I think my I have two zones of genius that work really well together. Um, the first is that I, um, as I mentioned to you, um, that I work from home, so I love talking to people. I miss, I miss having the camaraderie of, of working with people. So I actually am really good at doing, like, voice of customer research, so I use that. So I, that's involves like customer interviews and surveys and a lot of data mining. And I use that voice of customer research to write really good emails and landing pages. Those are kind of, kind of what I work mostly um, on. 
So like onboarding emails and, you know, landing pages that lead to an email funnel, that kind of thing. Cool. Um, so the process is, always starts with research, I guess. Do you want to sort of step <laughs> us through what a typical engagement would look like? So, you know, I'm, I'm a SaaS founder. Uh, I've got a product. Um, I know I can't write for toffee. Um, <laughs> you know, persuade anyone to buy it. It's a great product, by the way. Yep, They're of all course. great products. Uh, how, how could you help me? So the most important thing to remember is that people are never buying your product. They don't actually care about your product. And I'm not saying that to hurt anybody's feelings at all. But in reality, we don't care about the products. We care about the product, how it's going to help make our lives better. So I want to figure out, before I even write any words at all, I want to figure out what is leading um, customers to, to your product and what it is they're looking to get out of it. Um, so I look for things like, like I do um, voice of customer research, so interviews. I do a lot of interviews. And I'm, and I'm asking people things like, what was going on in your life when you decided to look for a product like this one? So, you know, it's like you're buying a, a lawnmower. Well, what's leading you to buy a lawnmower, you know? Um, and of course, products like physical products are different than SaaS products. But, you know, if you're looking for, for a product, like what is leading you to that? So you're looking for a lawnmower. Did you just buy a new house and you've never had a lawnmower or did your lawnmower break? And, you know, what are you looking for out of it? Are you looking for, like, are you trying not to piss off the HOA so you don't want to have a shaggy lawn? Or, or do you have, you know, kids and you want to have a nice space in the backyard for them? So really trying to figure out that. And, and what are the benefits of your product? So if you have um, a SaaS product, like, do you know exactly why people really want it? A lot of times founders don't. So they, you know, they, they've created this product, but they're not, they're not often kind of the, the ideal user of it. So we're trying to get, really get in the mind of, of what's going on in that person's life and, and how are we going to be able to help them, you know, see that our solution is, or our product is the solution for them. So starting with, uh, you know, voice of the customer research, you know, typically, how long or how many customers would you would you have to speak to 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 gain a an idea of what's going on in that in that business? Well, it depends. So, say you have a SaaS product that has an enterprise solution for large companies, and then it's got a solution for smaller companies. You would need to do more um, interviews than you would if you had like a single stream of people. Um, but typically anywhere from five to 15 is, is kind of typical. And then, then we usually do a survey. So it might be like an exit survey if we have a really small survey, or if they have a large list, we might do an email, an email survey. Um, because not everybody, you know, you can't talk to 300 or 5,000 people, right? Mm. So it's really about, about sort of quantity of, of information, but also quality, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you get the best of both worlds. You get some quantitative data from the from the survey, and then you get some very positive uh, information that comes from the individual customer research. Exactly. Great. So 
you know, again, it's difficult, but I'm, I'm putting myself in the, the position of a, a SaaS founder here. Uh, you know, if I was to engage with, with somebody like you, you know, what sort of duration would, you know, that initial research process take for you to get organized? Um, it, it generally lasts between three and four weeks just for the research phase. And sometimes that's all people want. People want somebody like me to go in and do just a really in-depth research to find out, um, you know, not only why people are using, but using the product, but also kind of what are they looking for? Um, you know, and that sometimes helps founders for, you know, subsequent, um, versions of that product. Um, and so that usually takes three to four weeks and then they get before I ever go on to the next phase, if they want me to, to do right, actually write the copy, we go through it all to make sure that they, that they agree with it. Right. I mean, we don't want, we don't want to write this, all this copy and then have them say, Oh, you know what? I don't buy into what these people are saying. I think that they're an anomaly or whatever. So we want to make sure that that I'm seeing the same thing that, that the company is seeing, really. Yeah. So what sort of you know size of SaaS uh, business would you typically work with? Because obviously, like bootstrap founders, uh, notoriously penny pinching. Uh, you know what, what's a what's a good starting point for you? Um, well, it really depends because sometimes people do want they they do see the the importance of good copy. So they do come if they're, if they're just ready to really start their first initial scaling, um, they might come and say, you know, I need to, I need to invest, you know, $5,000 say, and, and they're going to get kind of some, at least a really great onboarding sequence or something. Um, other times, you know, they've gone through some, some funding. So they've gotten some some investment and then they're ready to scale because they, they do have that money to invest. So it really kind of depends on, you know, if they want like the full meal deal, if they want like everything, they want really intense research and they want sales pages and they want multiple emails and you know, it, it kind of depends on what they're looking for. Yeah. And how involved do you get in terms of measuring the the results uh, of, what you do for people because uh obviously like they're going to take your copy they're going to put it on their website or they're going to um put it in their drip sequence um you know how how do you get the feedback on on what's working and what isn't so i'm always looking for feedback because i you know my my best source of customers is referrals so I'm not happy unless they're happy. So I'm pretty involved. I don't, I don't actually do the testing, but they bring me the results and then we, we see if we have to change something. So say they've done an, an onboarding email and they're finding that a bunch of people are dropping off after email number seven. You know, we could look at that and see what's going on or maybe their open rates have, have gone way down. Um, we, would, we would definitely look at that and, and maybe do some split testing or something like that just to make sure that they're getting the kind of results that they paid for. Great. So uh, you must see uh, an awful lot of common mistakes being made over and over again uh, by, by SaaS businesses. Uh, I'm sure you do. Um, what, uh, what, um, what are your favorite ones, if I can call them favorites? I have multiple, I have to say. So I think the first thing is if they don't know their their ideal customer. So they 
they either they're either going and they're looking at their competitors web copy or sales copy or emails and they're kind of you know making it fit themselves um, that doesn't work almost always because it's rare that our best customers are the same as, as our competitors and we have no way of knowing if they are or not. So, so they haven't done the research and they don't know what really matters. I think that's the biggest thing is that people don't understand the importance. Um, if they want to have high conversions that they really know what's going on in, in the life of that prospect. Um, another thing is the writing boring copy. And I think this is almost an epidemic, to be honest with you, especially in the B2B space, because we think that we have to be, you know, like proper, you know, in the B2B space. We think we're writing for corporations or business owners and they're proper, so we have to be proper. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be proper, but I don't think you should be boring because nobody wants to read boring copy. They really don't. Um, and I think that you can do really effective copy that's also interesting. I think it's possible. You might have to work a little bit harder, but I think that that's how you're going to convince people to keep reading. You know, our, 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 our readers on average, you have four seconds to convince them to keep reading. That's not very much time. So if you're writing an email or a sales page, you need to have a great hook. You need to know, you know, this is again where that voice of customer research comes into play. You need to know, what you what you can write that will convince them to keep reading because that's really you know at the very beginning that's that's your goal is to get people to keep reading you, you know yeah. goal of the first paragraph is to get people to read to the second paragraph and you keep going until you get to the call to action when that's your goal right is to hit that call to action button so i think that boring copy is is you know you you can make it interesting you can use some pop culture you know you can use um, knowledge of your prospects and write something that's so compelling that they're like, wow, this company gets me. I'm going to keep reading because you're not really writing for a corporation. You're writing for a person, right? It's a person reading it, not a company. Yeah. But I guess um, to some degree that that's, that can be difficult because um, surely, you know, rightly or wrongly, you want to reflect the, the brand personality of, of, of the business that you're writing for. So, um, you know, a lot of it is dull because there's a lot of very safe B2B enterprise totally. brands out there who uh, see themselves as, you know, selling to corporates and, you know, they don't really want to put anything in their copy that, that could be controversial or, or, or interesting at all. I, I just wonder how you as a, you know, as a copywriter deal with that because you must get pushback about stuff you write all the time. Of course, of course, because I think sometimes we think that we're writing for the guys in the C-suite, but we're actually writing for the people who are reading it. So I think sometimes it's just a matter of, of educating the people on the other end. And I'm not saying that you should use, you know, anything controversial, but I think it can still be interesting. And if nothing else, show that that person, like write for, for that one person who is reading your sales page or your emails. Um, and not for the big, you know, the corporate guys, the corporate, you know, the suits in the C-suite, um, especially if you're not writing, you don't write for the, the guys in the C-suite of your company because they're definitely not your ideal customer. Um, and, but know, know what matters to them and know, you know, what, 
how they talk, right? You should, you should write, write in a way that, you know, speaks to the way that they're, they're talking. So the phrases they're using, if they're using any, um, you know, um, abbreviations, um, the worst thing you can do, to be honest with you, is write these really jargon filled, um, sales pages and emails that, you know, are sound like somebody, you know, a lawyer wrote them because that's boring as hell. So I think, I think really like, I think it always comes back to knowing your prospect, knowing how they talk and what, what they care about. Um, and then using that always. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, just going back to writing onboarding sequences, because you know, that this always interests me. I've read quite a bit about onboarding sequences and seem to get different advice, conflicting advice. Um, you know, what, what, What's your view on, you know, what, uh, well, I wouldn't say standard, but, but what an ideal or best practice onboarding sequence should look like in terms of <laughs> the number of uh, emails and, the, you know, the, the timing um, and, and maybe some thoughts on content? Well, I will say that there is no real <laughs> set amount. So it really depends on the stage of awareness that your prospect is is in before they ever get to your, to your sales page. And then, you know, say, say they've opted into something, a freebie that's going to, or let's say they're, they've opted into a trial use of your, of your product. It really depends on the stage of awareness they are, because if they are almost ready to buy, you could really, you know, remind them of the benefits of your product and you could remind them of the features because, you know, once they get close to the buy button, they're going to check to make sure that it has the features that they want. Um, and you could have a very few emails. Um, but if they say you're coming from cold traffic, you know, um, a Google search or, or a Facebook ad or something, and they are completely unaware of your product, of your company, you've got to build trust. You have to show them um, why your product can help them solve that problem that led them to you. Um, so there, yeah, there is no, there's no like hard and fast rule about it. Um, but I think I would err on the side of more emails than less emails, which is completely the opposite of every, what every single one of my clients wants. <laughs> they always want um, fewer emails. They feel like they're tired of getting too many emails. So that's got to be the way that their prospects feel. Um, so they, they, they would usually rather have fewer, but I think if you have more, you're probably, you know, they say that 11 touch points is what it takes to convert yeah. somebody. I was going to say seven to 12 touches is what's sort of commonly banded around, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just the same whether you meet someone face to face or, or uh, receiving an email. It takes, it takes a lot actually to earn, uh, trust and credibility over email, I think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just getting people to sign up, you know, to actually uh, uh, convince them that there's some value in actually giving their email address is, is the biggest battle of all, I think. Well, that's right. And, you know, if we think about as a freebie, but really there's, there's an exchange going on. You're oh, yeah. getting something from them, which is their email address. And you're, you know, it's almost like you're bartering, right? So I think that people should should remember that it's not as easy to get to 
attain an email address as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think it's also remember that, you know, just because you're sending emails doesn't mean they all have to be sales emails either, right? You know, you should educate and inform and really lead somebody to the yes, right? We're really trying to coach, coach the conversion almost. We're trying to coach people to understand, you know, that, that they need this product, that they, this product is going to help them solve whatever problem it was that they were, they were searching for a solution when they found us. Sure. I think that's fantastic advice. Um, So I just wanted to uh, ask you about, you were saying that, you know, you work from home and, uh, you know, a lot of people do. I work from home half the time and and that's when I do my deep uh, focus and and my best work. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's, it's interesting that working from home can be uh, a double-edged sword though, because sometimes you don't have enough of the uh, social aspect to, uh, to be able to perform ideally. And I just wondered if you'd had any uh, reflections on, you know, you've been working from home for a few years. Uh, obviously, you know, you're on Zoom or Skype or whatever to clients all the time. You're doing uh, customer interviews. H- how do you cope with that? Because I know, you know, some friends of mine who just couldn't work from home. Uh, yeah, well, you know, and it's funny because when I first started working from home or when I started, you know, thinking about starting this business, I thought, oh my God, that sounds like utopia. Being at home wearing yoga pants all the time, thought just sounded wonderful. <laughs> um, and then, of course, you get into it and it's like, oh, I don't know if this is as great as I thought it would be. I mean, there's there's definitely some benefits, you know, I mean, my 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 office is a you know, three second walk from my bedroom. Um, and I get to hang out with my puppy all day, which is, you know, mostly awesome. But I, I have found that I have to have like regular meetings with, you know, friends that I can talk to about my problems or that I can, you know, discuss like everything. You know, I have copy friends that I meet regularly where we walk, we talk through, you know, oh, this, this conversion isn't quite happening the way I thought it was. And they can, you know, we can just kind of talk it through um, almost like an office situation, right? Where you're, mm. where you go to, to the office of, of your, you know, your coworker and you talk through problems that you're struggling with. So I think I've kind of created that. Um, just, it just happens to be via zoom. Yeah, <laughs> that's great because yeah, it can be a very lonely um experience I think for, for some people but uh, I think finding a way to cope with it is is definitely uh, uh, the, the key to it and whether that's like just going out and having a coffee with a friend or or chatting with somebody over zoom <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it's whatever it takes to to, to get you out of uh, just being in your own little bubble sometimes absolutely yeah I mean your bubble is nice and and you know comfortable but I think if you really want to excel at, at this, I think you have to get out of your bubble. You've got you've to gotta talk to people who, who make you do better, right? Who make you think differently and, and um, who help you become the best version of you that you are. Exactly. Patty House, uh, thank you very much for your time today. Really appreciated uh, your insights into conversion copywriting. I think there's uh, a lot but you know certainly that, that I picked up from that and uh, I hope uh, the listeners and, and viewers did too thank you so much for having me I really enjoyed hanging out with you today
I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Patty. For more info, please visit www.pattyhouse.com. For more info about this show and to get our links to iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher and YouTube, check out www.47insights.com. And if you have any SaaS marketing insights that you'd like to share on the show, please get in touch. Until next time. Thank you.